Good morning. We will continue our series on work uh, this morning. Um, a, a, and Christians in the workplace uh, here uh, today. So if you do have your Bibles, I uh, can turn uh, in them to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 is where we will start. Uh, This morning. And as you're turning there, it's just interesting that in the midst of COVID, uh, this (laughs) pandemic that's still affecting us uh, today, uh, something um, interesting happened. Usually there's there's certain careers, there's certain vocations that can be emphasized, that can be rightfully championed. um, And uh, that happened during uh, the midst of uh, COVID. We rightfully championed uh, nurses, uh, doctors, uh, first responders uh, in those fields. And so we uh, championed uh, what they do and, and why they do it and as heroes. But it's interesting that whenever uh, a tragedy happens, whenever something happens and one vocation or one calling is focused in on, um, typically uh, we, we, we rightfully see uh, the good that they do. Um, but whenever they're interviewed, whenever they're uh, talked to, uh, typically what they say is, I'm just doing my job. So during 9-11, you have firefighters and police officers, and they're heroes in their vocation. And when you talk to them, they said, hey, I'm just doing my job. When you talk to nurses and doctors today, I'm just doing my job. And yet there's something heroic, there's something beautiful about what they're, they're doing. There's something needed about what they're doing, and it's always been needed. And it's tragedy that highlights it to the fact that we need this job. And that's the beauty of vocation. That's the beauty of calling. That all these things are put in place for a specific purpose. That we are being the hands and feet of God as he works and mends people through their ordinary calling of doctor, through the ordinary calling of nurse, as he protects through police officers, through firefighters. And yet tragedy highlights them to the fact that we understand them and we start to see them for what they really are. And we also saw that in the midst of the tragedy, just with a whole arbitrary distinction of essential or not essential. You can't make those kind of categories. We can't make those kind of categories. And we saw just how fruitless that and futile that endeavor was. All lawful vocations, all lawful jobs are needed. They're important. And today we're specifically going to look at those lawful vocations and why they're important for us today and how we live in the workplace, in the midst of our callings. So if you have your Bibles there, flip into uh, Colossians chapter 3. We'll start in uh, verse uh, 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you're doing, work for the Lord. Well, you'll notice that uh, we had this uh, graphic that whatever we're doing in all of our life is under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And we talked about the various spheres of that in your work, in your family, 
uh, in your church and as a citizen. And today we want to focus in on specifically in your work. How does this matter for us as workers? In fact, we started this last week. Pastor Nate started this last week because in this series we've talked about the creation, that work is created good, that has fallen, that things are messed up now, that it's futile, that it's fruitless, that we work with sinners and we are sinners at work. And yes, last week, Pastor Nate began this process of, okay, how does this look like to redeem this area of work? And he talked about the importance of hard work. That working hard is good and honorable and should be pursued. He talked about the errors of socialist thinking. Well, today we're going to continue looking at the area of work and how we redeem that as Christians. And I want to look at three C's this morning. Three C's that are often associated with ministry, but I think they apply to all of us in our callings. And these C's are calling, conviction, and competency. Character, conviction, and competency. Sorry. Christians in the workplace, first, are people of character, our people of character. Our character shouldn't be formed by the culture. We talked about that last week with a work ethic that is working as if we're working for the Lord. We live in a culture that prizes getting paid the most by doing the least. Or we sing songs about working for the weekend. As if the work is the tragedy, the work is the bad thing, but the weekend, the rest, the leisure, that's good and that's to be celebrated. Now, don't get me wrong, rest and leisure have their place. They're good gifts from God, but so is work. We could say everybody's resting and relaxing for the work week. To be energized so they can go back into their places of work and Glorify God in their callings. So be careful first with this idea that our, our, our culture wants to form this idea of what our character is when we go to the workplace. And one of the ways that they want to form it is by slothfulness or laziness. How can I appear to be working hard but not actually working hard? Another way that our culture can form is by sinful means to a better end. The means justify the end. If our work is a way to benefit society, does that mean that we can cut corners in the work itself to have better outcomes that will bless others? Think about the temptation that must be going through with different pharmaceutical companies and research firms right now. If we just fudge some numbers, then we'll be able to get a vaccine out to people sooner. If we just cut corners here, sure, it might not technically be right, but we're, we're benefiting people. As Christians, not only the, the work, the outcome of the work, but the way we do the work needs to be formed by God's word. Think of this even in terms of our jobs and and different things that could be temptations there. Uh, Training videos that you watch to do your job. 
Should you just skip it so that you do the real work? Safety checklist before you operate that machine at work. Our culture has trained us as pragmatists who believe that the end always justifies the means. Just watch a crime show and see the ones that are celebrated, the ones that bend corners, that bend the law to get the results they want. And we can't fall into this trap as Christians. This is like Moses striking the rock because it worked the last time. He was rebuked because he didn't listen to God. The way that things are done is as important as what gets accomplished. You can't justify lying to that client to get a better commission because you're going to put more coin in the offering plate or give more online giving. FBCMiddleville.net slash giving. But we can justify things, right? We can justify lying, fudging because we're helping our family. We're able to give more in this area. We have to be careful of being formed by the ends, justify the means. No, Christians are called to be people of character in every sphere of their lives. We're to work as people of character. Our character is not to be shaped by the workplace, but by Scripture. This is crucial for us who who, who highly prize the Word of God that we're to be in the Word of God. When I lived in Pennsylvania, we would meet regularly with uh, different pastors um, and different denominations um, as a a, a joint um, food pantry uh, with different area uh, churches and denominations. And and one of the pastors uh, wore a, a clerical collar and um, somebody from more of a, a low church tradition like us kind of asked, hey, what, uh, why do you wear that collar? Right? And he said, well, basically, when I have the collar on, that means I'm a priest, um, and I kind of have to act like a priest, but when I take it off, I'm not a priest anymore, and I can act however I want. How many of us, when we put on our church clothes, go to church, or you're sitting there in your church pajamas right now, and you are, you're watching, and we're going to church, and we're entering that atmosphere. We kind of clothe ourselves with one ethic, with one way of life, with one way of talking and communicating with other people. But the moment that we step into the workplace, all bets are off. We don't get that option as Christians. As Christians, we've been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. That redefines all of life. We don't take off our union with Christ. We've been permanently united with Him. That's, that's, that's something that we treasure, that we have security, that we have safety in that. But we also have to know that the implications of that are we don't get to take Jesus off when we go to our workplace. We take Him there. We live as His representatives. So what does that look like practically? What does it look like to to enter into the workplace with Christ? Well, it looks like being people who are formed by God's law. And God's law is summarized as Jesus taught us in Matthew. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
This is the first... This is the great and the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love the neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. So loving God and loving our neighbor is a summary of the law. But what does loving God and loving our neighbor look like practically? It looks like the Ten Commandments, right? The first four commandments, how do we love God? The last six, how do we love our neighbor? We love our neighbor. We love those around us at the workplace by not stealing from our neighbor. Not stealing from our employer. Either money or time. That's owed. We're not coveting after things. We're promoting life by adhering to the safety protocols or implement them ourselves if we have the authority. We're not objectifying our co-workers with crude remarks, but we're protecting them from such things. We have specific teaching on this in the Gospels. John is preparing the way for Jesus, and many are coming to him to be baptized, and they ask, hey, what should we do to be baptized, John? And listen to his instructions. This is in Luke 3, uh, 12 to 14. Tax collectors also came to be baptized, and he said to them, Teacher, What shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you're authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not exhort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be content with your wages. You see that? Like, what do we do like to be baptized? Like, what do we do to enter this new way of life, John? And he says, Don't he doesn't say leave your jobs, leave your callings. He says, Avoid those great temptations that are associated with the calling in which you've been placed. Your character should be different and should be marked out as such. And so he highlights two major temptations that were associated with those callings. What about you? What are the specific temptations that are part of the pl- where you work? How are you being oriented by God's word as opposed to the culture of those temptations? Another thing that we need to understand is that pursuing godly character in the workplace may bring consequences. Working according to God's law may bring challenges, and we should face those challenges if we're going to be people of character. Think of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 1, in his decision to follow God's laws and his diet. In Daniel 1, he was willing to face the consequences in his obedience. He pleaded his case with respect and with clarity, and he left the rest in God's hands. Many of us face situations, ethical dilemmas at work. My brother worked at a place, um, and given the nature of the work, there was a lot of objectifying of uh, women co-workers that he, he worked with. Uh, crude jokes, um, things that were not appropriate. Um, and he couldn't stand it. I can't go along with what's taking place here. I need to do something. Well, doing something, especially uh, as a guy, when other guys are, are making that, that's going to bring something on you. How dare you be the one who says something, right? 
But he didn't stop there with the guys around him who then kind of ridiculed him for his stand. He also took it to the boss. But when he took it to the boss, it caused a division between the boss and himself. Standing up for co-workers eventually cost him his job. Now, could he have taken other measures? Should he have? I don't know, but what I do know is that he was trying to be faithful in that calling and being biblical and a man of character and guarding and protecting women in the workplace. Not easy, but it's something that we are called to do. Much of our faithfulness in this fallen world is marked by seeking to be faithful and facing the consequences when they come our way. Often we can look for different options and appeal in a respectful way to our superiors, but there may come times when faithfulness will drive a wedge between our work and us. If you are caught between compromising your character and facing the consequences, where do you land? Are you looking for respectful ways to be faithful or easy ways to blend in? We're called to be both people of character and people of conviction. And that's our second trait that we look at as we look at these three C's of Christians in the workplace. Christians in the workplace are called to be people of conviction. People of conviction. The first conviction is this. You are called to your work to serve. This is something that we talked about throughout this series, that we are called to where we are to serve God and others. That God doesn't need our good work, our neighbor does, and yet we serve him in the midst of it. There is value and dignity in your work. It's an opportunity to image God by what you do. And this conviction gives drive and motivation even when we lack it. It is this mentality that we read at the beginning in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. That whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. We're serving the Lord where we are. He has called us there. What's interesting is that... Colossians 3 passages coming right after Paul is laying out a variety of callings. Whether you're a husband, a wife, or a servant, wherever God has called you, understand that you can glorify him in that role. An essential part of knowing this is knowing that God placed you where he placed you. A.W. Pink, writing on God's sovereignty in 1930, said something that has always stood with me. He writes this, Take, for example, farmers and their crops... Suppose God left them to themselves. What would then prevent them, one and all, from grasping their arable lands and devoting themselves exclusively to the rearing of cattle and dairying? In such a case, there would be a world famine of wheat and corn. Take the work of the post office. Suppose that everybody decided to write letters on Mondays only. Could the authorities cope with mail on Tuesdays? And how would they occupy their time for the balance of the week? So again, storekeepers, what, if ever, what would happen if every housewife did her shopping on Wednesday and stayed home the rest of the week? But instead of such things happening, farmers in different countries both raise sufficient cattle and grow enough grain of various kinds to supply the almost incalculable needs of the human race. The mail, mails are 
almost evenly distributed over the six days of the week, and some women shop on Monday, some on Tuesday, and so on. Do not these things clearly evidence the hand of God? Do you get the beauty in this idea applied to work? You are in the work you are right now, not by accident, but by the providence of a good God who governs this world with his wisdom. You chose it, yes, but many of the circumstances that led you there were out of your control. This has a major implication for us. It is in the rootedness and the beauty of being called and committed to where we are. It doesn't mean that we can't change our work, but it does mean that you are committed to it and to its good while you're there. It means that you don't view every challenge as an opportunity to cut and run, but as an opportunity to respond in faith. You are called not only to the work that you have, but as a faithful witness to Christ in that workplace. Mordecai's words to Esther ring in your ear from time to time. Maybe you are here for such a time as this. I remember working at a warehouse in Pennsylvania. It was not my favorite job. No air conditioning in the hot summers. Unloading trucks filled with motorcycle and ATV tires. Looking for the day when I kind of graduate college and we kind of transition out of this. That this is, this is not where I am. This is not what I'm, I'm, I'm going to be doing. I, I want to do something else. And yet, in the midst of that, while I was there, God gave me so many opportunities to have conversations with coworkers. Be careful of looking so far in front with your plans and your goals that you miss the beauty of faithfully serving Jesus right where he has you now. Be careful of looking so far in front of you with your plans and your goals that you miss the beauty of serving Jesus faithfully right where he has you now. Second conviction, you are there to serve King Jesus. Related to this passage in Colossians is also the idea that we are ultimately serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul mentions this also in uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 when he writes, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. This is a way to reduce the futility of what we're doing. Things are worth doing, and they're worth doing well because they're being done ultimately for the Lord. It will also affect the way that we view our earthly bosses. Too often, pettiness can creep into the workplace. Our diligence can wane because of lack of motivation to work well for a particular boss. While this still can be a temptation for Christians, we need to recognize that we are serving a higher boss. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling and with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever anyone does, he will see back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or he is free. Do you get that when you're obedient to your boss, you are recognizing Christ's kingship in your workplace? Understanding this helps us with 
that God helps us understand that God places our bosses in our lives for a particular purpose. And that we can serve the Lord as we are serving them. It also helps us to champion the good of their leadership when we can. And to respectfully push back when we need to do that as well. If you're in a leadership position, it will mean that ultimately you're a steward of that influence and accountable to God for how you use it. Are power and authority used to promote yourself or as an opportunity to serve others? The next verse in Ephesians says this, Masters do the same and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that he shows no partiality. You don't have a special place boss. But you are given special authority, but that special authority should reflect the one that you serve. It's a delegated authority. You're a steward of that authority. How are you using it? Are you using it in a way that people can see your leadership and be reflected back to the good God who leads well? Or is it a sinful perversion of power? There is a heavy weight that goes with leadership positions, and bosses shouldn't take it lightly. It can be used for great good, but it also can be used and twisted for selfish aims. Third conviction, both believers and unbelievers are doing God's work. We have the conviction to know that God is at work through various callings, even if people reject that truth. Even though our Christianity should impact specific ways that we go about our work, everyone who contributes is important and valuable for the job at hand. We are not called to to separate and have separate Christian versions of work. We don't have apple and sanctified apple. We don't have Amazon and Amazon Grace. We don't have Costco and Crossco. But no, these works, like these these jobs, each of them can be populated by unbelievers, can can be led by unbelievers, and believers and unbelievers are working together side by side to feed people through Costco. To get technology in people's hands for right now as you're watching this. And so we work side by side, and and we see this in in Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is the truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. You see that? They're different. They're distinct. But yet, I'm not calling them out. I'm keeping them in for a specific purpose. And, and here's the thing. In, in Christians, like, we, we, can, we can mess up on this sometimes. Like Sometimes we, we see different uh, avenues of, of work or calling, and we, we, we immediately look at that and say, well, that's off limits when it really isn't. But we can see the corruptions that can be involved. We, we think of things like the entertainment industry. 
Or we think of, of, of things like politics. Right? Say, well, I don't know about that. And what we're doing is we're training our kids to say, well, these things are off limits for me. Listen, we need more people of character. We need more people who are of conviction and and, and pursuing the good and having uh, the skills necessary to go into those fields as people of influence. But too often we shut the door. Let's raise up kids. Let's ourselves be equipped to be people of influence in our workplace. Well, knowing this conviction, both believers and unbelievers doing God's work should limit our pride and superiority. God works faithfully through various people, and so we can trust him in that. We can champion the good that our unbelieving um, co-workers are doing. We could ask the question, who did more to advance the kingdom of God, Billy Graham or Steve Jobs? Well, Billy Graham did it with faith, so there's more eternal reward. But we can't help but wonder the impact that phones and smart devices have at getting the gospel into people's hands. Many of you are watching this right now through an Apple device. Knowing that God works in various fields with various people should slow our arrogance and thoughts of superiority. Remember, if you're a Christian, it's not because of you, but because of God's grace. Arrogance has no place in the people of God. It should also limit the kind of work that we do. The kind of work that we do. I said that there's some fields that we have to be careful not to limit, but there's some fields that we just should limit. If this is what God's doing, if he's working through believers and unbelievers as they faithfully live out their callings, then Martin Luther was right. He said that through the vocation of the milkmaid, God milks his cows. That gives honor and dignity to our work, but it should also limit the kinds of work that we do. There is some work that is not honorable in that all participants aren't the hands of God, but the hands of Satan. For instance, all workers in the porn industry are workers not of God, furthering the flourishing and the good of their neighbor, but they're furthering the entrapment to sin of their neighbor. They're not working in a way that loves and liberates their neighbor, but enslaves their neighbor to sin. And some vocations are more difficult because they're further removed from sin. And wisdom is needed in those situations. A safe approach is that when a job either forces you to sin or directly causes sin, then it's time to pump the brakes. Some jobs, such as the video game industry, can lead to addiction. But that is an abuse of the product, not the main aim of the product. Another thing to think about is how close or far removed your industry is to sin. There is a lot of news associated with those who refuse to bake a cake or photograph a wedding. Those callings are directly associated with celebrating someone's wedding. To be the hands and feet of God in that case would be wrong. But you may work at a furniture manufacturer that made chairs that were used for the wedding. Your job was to make good chairs. You do not have the authority over who buys them, 
or who they're sold to. Even if you did, selling to a venue is simply selling to a venue. Put simply, the closer you are to giving direct approval to sin, the more Christians need to stop and think about their calling. Stopping and thinking about our calling is a healthy practice. And so is growing in our competence for good and lawful callings. That brings us to our third trait for Christians in the workplace. Christians in the workplace are people of competence. If we're not careful, we can, we can stop with character and conviction. We have character. We understand God's laws matter and the way that we do work matters. We seek to have integrity and to love others in our work. And that's good and right. We're people of conviction, convinced that we're working for the Lord who is the creator of good work and that our co-workers are his agents as well in this world. But we can't stop there. To stop there is to relegate our work to how we do it and who we do it for, but we need to focus on what we contribute. How are we doing at the work we do? And this is where competence comes into play. By competence, I mean our ability to work well. This involves training, skill development, and tangible benchmarks of productivity. All Christians should pursue competence in their calling. One mistake that we can make is we can confuse competence with comparison. We look at how we're doing compared to others in our field or at work, and that becomes the determining factor for if we feel competent. This mentality replaces true competence with the appearance of competence. If we appear as capable as those around us, then we're good to go. But we can't settle for that mentality as Christians of conviction. We are called to work for God's glory and for our neighbor's good. Competence isn't something that helps, helps us and gets us promoted. It is something that we're called to pursue because God has placed us in a particular calling so that our neighbors might be blessed and God might be glorified. Comparison is a shortcut. Comparison is a forgery. No, Christians are called to pursue true competence in the workplace. And this is, this is true, and we, we see this in, in Scripture itself. We see it in, in the instructions to build the tabernacle. Right? It says that the Spirit came upon individuals and equipped them for the specific task. We see that the disciples, that, that God is actually, through the Spirit, going to remind them of all the things that they learned so that they're able to do their job well. And so we see that when God calls people to a specific task, sometimes in Scripture there's this supernatural equipping to make sure that the job gets done well. And so what that tells us is that God cares about the job, but he also cares about the job being done well. But we shouldn't expect a supernatural calling, because even when we see that in Scripture, right? Even when we see that some were called to ministries and and, and supernaturally equipped as apostles and and, and other specific, unique giftings, that others weren't. Others had to learn and to hold fast to the word. Remember, Paul tells Timothy, hold fast to the teaching that you've received from me. Be equipped, be trained by what, what you've learned and how you've grown in that. We see this account in, in Acts 
18, 24 to 28, now a, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard them, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross the Achaia, the the brothers uh, encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly, (coughs) greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Christ was Jesus. Right? So see this, like, like we, we see that this man is, is being trained and he's kind of equipped, but then he's pulled aside to get more equipped so that he can be more effective in what he's doing. Right? And training goes with our calling. I love how Al Mohler puts it on his podcast called The Briefing. He put it like this one time. If God has called you into ministry, he has called you to prepare. I love that. If God has called you into the ministry, he's called you to prepare. Preparation and development is part of following your call in your life. It's not true just for ministry. This is true for all callings. Competence matters in our callings. We see that with God, supernaturally equipping people, task in, in scripture that this matters we also see in scripture that we shouldn't depend on that we shouldn't look for that because normally the ordinary way that this happens is just through regular training to becoming more skilled in what we do and the interesting thing about this is competence actually leads to conversation um, we don't pursue competence simply for spiritual conversations remember we're called to our workplace to work in that sphere simply working well is good and honorable We love our neighbors by working well. But even in the midst of our excellent work, conversations take place. When we're pulling together with our coworkers towards a common goal, that camaraderie leads to natural conversations. I mentioned that I worked at a warehouse and it gave me opportunities, but this wasn't always the case. I remember other people from Bible college working there and they had little opportunities and little heartfelt conversations. Those around them could tell they were just punching the clock and didn't care about doing work well. This lackadaisical attitude toward work limited their opportunities for spiritual conversations. But doing our work well and respecting bosses gave others of us opportunities to talk with people, even talk with our boss about his marriage problems that he was having. We cared about the work, and that gave us opportunities to talk about spiritual things. We didn't care about the work simply for spiritual conversations, but in the midst of caring for work, those conversations simply came. You care about me. I don't have to pick up your slack at work. I don't have to cover for you because you're late again. Just those moments of diligence and caring uh, lead to conversation. One thing that I want to mention as well, and this is just introducing this concept. We'll, we'll talk about it more, um, probably the final message of the series, is that there's a sliding scale um, between faithfulness and fruitfulness. 
that all of us are called to be competent and faithful in our workplace. But there can be opportunities for some of us to continue training and to go above and beyond, to put in additional hours to train ourselves to get better and better equipped for the job at hand, to be fruitful in that. Now, this is not necessarily a requirement. In, in fact, in, in Ephesians 4.28, Paul says, hey, work with your head, head down. Just uh, work diligently with your hands. Make enough to be able to support your family, to be able to give to others. And that's good and honorable. We don't need to seek promotions and to seek to be elevated in, in some of those ways, those different opportunities for influence. But some of us, that's a really good call, and we should be pursuing those things. Part of this will go back to that image that we had at the beginning, that all of us have various calls in our life. And some of those calls can overlap or they can kind of intermingle a little bit. In others, if we're giving more time and energy to one, it is making the other circles a little bit smaller. So some of this scale between faithfulness and fruitfulness will depend on what are the other callings in your life right now. What are the various things that God has called you to? Do you have time to get, dedicate to, to is, it, is it wise for you to, to pursue this more, to f- pursue this calling in work? Or at this phase of life, is, is that a step too far? This is where biblical wisdom comes in. And again, we're going to be talking about this as far as balancing our, our callings later in the series. But I wanted to introduce this concept because we are all called to be faithful. That means doing our jobs and doing it well. But some of us can go above and beyond and above and beyond even more. The, the limit to the above and beyond is when we start to lose faithfulness in the other callings in life. We start to try to pursue fruitfulness so much that we're no longer faithful in our other callings. And faithful in our other callings is, I mean, our specific objective callings. Some of us have taken on too much, and we just need to limit some in order to be more productive. But there's other callings that are just objective that we don't choose and we can't change. We don't sacrifice our family to pursue more fruitfulness in the workplace. In fact, uh, Proverbs 23, verse 4 says this, that they wear themselves out to get rich instead of showing restraint. All of this, again, brings us back to the idea of wisdom. Much of life is wisely applying biblical principles to our various callings, and the calling of work is no different. Having godly people in your life, spending time in the Word, having, being reoriented to biblical truth through worship like this helps us to live wisely in this world. When we look at these ideas of, of character, conviction, and competence, three traits that should be true of Christians in the workplace, one thing I want to I apply this and kind of look at is think about this with our Lord Jesus. Think about these three traits with our Lord Jesus and his mission to come and save. Our Lord Jesus is the embodiment of character. He's the perfect obedience to the law of God. Perfect faithfulness to his Father. He is convicted that his his mission matters. 
His, he has convicted that. He says, I want to glorify your name, Father. I'm doing this for you, for your glory. I'm doing this for the good of others. And he is competent to save. Not only did he live a perfect life and die on the cross on our behalf, but he was raised victorious, which is a vindication of his mission. That Jesus Christ is competent to save. Here's the truth and here's the beauty. Like as we go to work this week, as you go to your workplace, like we get to reflect that God. And here's the thing, as we fail this week, that God came to save us and forgive us. Our security is not in our performance this week. Our security is in the mission that was accomplished by the God-man. <laughs> it's amazing. We have hope because of Jesus. And so we get to go live this week faithfully in our callings, seeking to live for him in our character, understand that we're submitting to his kingship with our conviction and seeking to be more and more competent so that we can glorify him in our work. Let's do that this week. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is good and is powerful. We thank you for Jesus Christ who is fully, he, was, he is a man of character, conviction, and he had perfect competency to save. And God, as we seek to image him this week, we need you. We need you to be at work in us, God, as we enter into the workplace. We pray for your spirit to uh, accompany us in that uh, and give us what we need. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.